the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all and to have uh, this opportunity to gather once again to worship our King, Jesus Christ himself. Today, we come to the end of our road in this sermon series that has seen us using the Gospel of Mark as a roadmap as we followed along in the footsteps of Jesus, as he leads his disciples, as he encounters people along the road, he teaches them and heals them. And as we come to the end of our road together in this series, we will encounter this morning a time when the disciples thought they were at the end of the road. They thought they had hit a dead end. This is our sixth and final week together, and of course, in this brief time, we've only been able to to look at just a few of the scenes and snapshots that Mark provides for us. But we've seen enough in these encounters along the road to know that the ministry of Jesus was marked by movement. He seemed to travel a lot. And as he traveled, He took the opportunity with his disciples to teach them, to stop, to pause, to interact with people, to bless, to heal. And as the disciples followed him and listened to him and watched him, they saw the very kingdom of God coming to earth in powerful ways. But this doesn't mean that everything went easily or smoothly for Jesus and his friends. It doesn't mean that everyone was thrilled about what was going on through Jesus and his ministry. In fact, if we look at the whole of the Gospel of Mark, we see that overall, Jesus received a very mixed response. For sure, there were people who who gladly welcomed him, who were filled with joy because of their encounter with Jesus. Certainly, people on the receiving end of Jesus' healing miracles were thrilled that he had come into their life. But we know that there were others especially, it seems, among the religious leaders who were less than thrilled, who responded negatively, because they saw Jesus not as the answer to a promise or the coming of a blessing, but they saw him instead as the arrival of a threat. And so there were those who pushed back. Along the road in the pages of Mark's gospel, we see those who clamor and push to get close to him, to come up alongside him. We see those who choose to follow him as he journeys along the road. And we see those who not only reject him and push back, but actually work behind the scenes to plot his undoing. And so in our journey together, we've seen this mixed response. But overall, the trajectory is that the crowds are growing and Jesus' popularity is growing. And this growth and popularity and excitement come to a climax in Mark chapter 11, where we see the story of the first Palm Sunday. On the road into Jerusalem that day, the air was filled with the shouts of joy from the people who were quoting Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mark tells us that people spread their cloaks on the road. There were others who were climbing up into trees to cut down branches that they could strew along the roadway. The people in Jerusalem had come to believe that not only was this traveling rabbi Jesus a good person, not only was he a powerful person who taught with authority, who had dominion over 
unclean spirits who could miraculously heal people, but they were beginning to wonder if maybe, just maybe, this Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the promised king who would rule in the place of David. And the people were especially joyful that day because they assumed that any new king riding into town would bring about a reversal of fortunes for the nation of Israel. And they assumed that that would surely begin with the throwing off of Roman oppression. And so that day outside Jerusalem, people were sacrificing their own cloaks just so a colt wouldn't have to dirty its hooves along a dusty road. People were strewing palm branches, waving them joyfully, shouting Hosanna. This was the entry of a gentle king, one who came riding on a colt, one who didn't have a royal entourage, who was just followed by this relatively ragtag group of disciples, but he was coming nonetheless as a king in the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, we don't have time this morning to walk through all the events of that week that we've come to call as Holy Week, but if you read through Mark chapters 11 through 16, you see that all that transpired from that entry into Jerusalem all the way to the cross, into the tomb, and beyond. This morning, we'll fast forward a bit to an event that really stands in stark contrast to the hosannas and shouts and joy of Palm Sunday. And as we conclude our journey with Jesus along the road today, I want us to look at this one final scene. It's a scene that takes place early on the Friday following Palm Sunday. This is the day after Jesus had celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He had taught them. He had encouraged them. But at this point, Judas has betrayed Jesus. And in fact, as we pick up the scene here in Mark 15, we discover that all the disciples have fled. They've abandoned Jesus and scattered. So let me read Mark 15, verses 1 through 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man named Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him, asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Now we have to remember that this scene takes place five days after the shouts of Hosanna, 
Five days after the waving of palm branches, five days after the crowds filling the streets with joy. And not only have the crowds evaporated, but now five days later, there's not even a single sign of Jesus' 12 disciples. And the only word shouted is not Hosanna, but crucify. And so we wonder, how, how could everything possibly have gone so wrong so quickly? How could things have turned so fast? And it got me to wondering how, how often our Sunday praises actually stay strong through a whole week. Do we sometimes lift our voices in praise, lift our hearts in prayer to God when we gather here on a Sunday morning? but then maybe don't do so much of any of that until Sunday rolls again, around again, and reminds us it's, it's time to gather together and do church again. Are there times that we actually gather on a Sunday and, and throw our cloaks before Jesus, but then grasp tightly onto our possessions the rest of the week? Maybe we're not so different sometimes. Now, forgetting to praise Jesus throughout the week of course, seems a lot different than actually yelling, crucify. But the fact is, the people who were calling for Jesus' death really just wanted him out of the way. They wanted him out of their lives. They didn't want to, they didn't want to deal with his claims of lordship, of kingship. Pilate couldn't get much out of Jesus that morning, but Jesus certainly didn't deny that he had come as a king. And so Jesus was a disruption to business as usual. He was perhaps a disappointment to those who were hoping for some sort of military overthrow, that Jesus as a coming king would give relief from Roman oppression. But really the only thing Jesus had overturned that week was the money changers' temples, or money changers' tables in the temple. And so people were wondering, well, why isn't Jesus messing with these Romans? And the tide turned. And there may be times when we decide that Jesus isn't coming through for us, or isn't meeting our expectations, isn't doing what we would expect him to do if he's supposed to be so powerful. And even if we never outright reject Jesus, do our lives always make it clear that we've chosen Jesus as our Lord, as our King, as our Messiah? that we've committed ourselves to him and to walking with him every day of our lives along the road, wherever he leads. This Sunday is, is the last Sunday of the church year, the church calendar. Next week, we begin the season of Advent. Thanks to those of you who are staying after to help us decorate and get ready for that. The last Sunday of the church year is a time we focus on the Lordship and Kingship of Jesus. It's Christ the King Sunday. We celebrate Jesus and elevate him as King of all creation, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, as was read from Revelation 1 this morning. Pilate seemed at least partially convinced that Jesus was some sort of king. And ironically, sadly, the disciples actually seemed a lot less sure they had followed Jesus along the road for three years. It was a road that had lots of twists and turns. 
detours. There were stops along the way they never would have expected. But it seems that the disciples somehow in those years with Jesus didn't grasp that the road they were on would always lead to the cross. It had to. And so now to them, the road seemed like it had reached a dead end, like a literal dead end because Pilate had handed a death sentence to Jesus. He gave in to the rabid demands of the crowd. Isaiah 53, which was read earlier, prophesies that the Messiah would be pierced for God's people's transgressions, crushed for their iniquities. And for Jesus' disciples this day on that Friday, the cross and the tomb must have seemed like the real end of the road. But the tomb was not Jesus' final destination. Can I get an amen to that? When the disciples, when the disciples, what the disciples did not yet know was that the road had to lead to the cross, but that that was not the end of the story or the end of the road. The road had to go through the cross because of God's love for his people, because of his plan to save them and rescue them, bring them into saving knowledge of relationship with him. The road that the disciples were on with Jesus would actually continue beyond the cross. We continue out of the grave. We continue alongside the resurrected Messiah and into spirit-filled life. Their road would go on. They just didn't know it yet. And so as we come to the end of our time along the road with Jesus in Mark today, it's the end of this sermon series, but it's not the end of our journey with Jesus. Our road continues as well. The story of God and God's people has always been a road that's rocky and twisty with unexpected developments. But it's a story that never ends. And this is the story that's told throughout the Bible. If we look at the story of God's journeying with his people in the book of Exodus, we see that the main point of God's time with his people in, that, in those desert wanderings was that he would be with them and he would be faithful. He was with them in the pillar of fire by night. He was with them in the pillar of cloud by day. God wanted to be with his people. He longed for closeness. And actually the whole last third of the book of Exodus has to do with the building of the tabernacle because God wanted to camp out with his people. He wanted to live with them and among them and have them close. The story of God's longing to be with his people is the story of Scripture. And so Jesus walked a road with his disciples, and the story was no different. What Jesus was teaching with his life and as he laid down his life was that God wanted to be with the people he loved and had created, that God longed to be with them. And so Jesus didn't bolt when the crowds yelled, crucify. Jesus didn't come down from the cross when he could have called angels to come to his rescue. Jesus walked the road the Father had laid out for him all the way to the end, even into a tomb, because nothing could stop him from the journey and mission that he was on. Jesus was driven on by love for his Father, perfect obedience, and love for those he came to save. We began our time in the Gospel of Mark five weeks ago, looking at 
those follow me, and follow me encounters between Jesus and the people he called to become his disciples. We began that time with the word launch as we consider what does it look like for us to launch as disciples of Jesus, to join him along the road on the journey he calls us to. And today, as we conclude our series, our keyword is relaunch. So you can see that our, our launch sign has been repurposed and a furry friend has been added to remind us that, uh, that life goes on and our journey goes on as we relaunch. When, this, when the disciples finally realized that the cross and tomb were not the end of the road, it became an opportunity for them to relaunch into deeper commitment with Christ and to his mission. They saw Jesus risen from the dead. They heard him whisper words of peace to him and commission them on mission and promise the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, they relaunched into renewed mission, a world-transforming mission. And our journey continues as well. There's no GPS device that's intoning, you have reached your destination. <laughs> We're not there yet. We have not yet arrived. As long as God gives us time on earth, our journey continues, and we'll have opportunity to relaunch again and again. Now, there might be moments in our journeys along the road where we actually feel a bit or maybe a lot like the disciples did in Mark 15. There are times in our journeys when we, we feel like, man, we are at a dead end, like we have been slammed into a wall on this journey of life, this journey with Jesus. There are times in our journeys that lead through death. And we know that the, the death of a loved one can be a particular challenge in our faith journey. There might be other deaths, too, that we encounter in our walk with God through life. Unpleasant endings. Unpleasant endings of relationships or jobs or opportunities or physical abilities or other things that we hold dear. And those transitions can unsettle us. It can feel like the end of the road. But sometimes God brings us through places of death so that by his grace, new life can spring up. And as we follow the road with Jesus, even through endings, God will be faithful. God will guide us and show us that it isn't the end of the road. Today or this week, we have our final Try This experience. I know some of you have been using uh, these cards throughout our series. You'll find information uh, on the card that's available as you leave today or it's also attached to the sermon page on our website. But this week, in keeping with our season of Thanksgiving, our Try This Experience invites you to take time for gratitude to God. Take time maybe for some journaling, or to write a poem, or a song, or an extended time of prayer, and to reflect on God's faithfulness in the past as you look back and see where the road has brought you to to get to where you are and to thank God for his faithfulness even through tough times and twists and turns. And then to take time as well to thank God for 
his promised faithfulness in the future, as your road goes on, as you continue your journey with Jesus. As we prepare to enter the season of Advent, a season that the church marks with excitement and expectation, anticipation, may we see where and how God has led us this far along the road. And may we relaunch along our road with Christ as disciples, as a congregation, as we relaunch into renewed commitment and ministry in the shared mission that Jesus has given us. We follow a teacher, a master, a king who will be faithful. He'll teach us. He'll guide us. He'll comfort us. He'll challenge us. He'll show us the way. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for how you lead so lovingly and faithfully along the road. Thank you for walking the road on our behalf, even when it led you to the cross and to the grave. Jesus, would you guide us in the weeks ahead? Remind us that in you we have all we need for the journey. Remind us that you have called us as your church, not only to continue to follow you, but to point the way to you, to call others to journey alongside us and in close relationship with you. We pray in your holy name. Amen.